Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and together we will be taking you through yet another ridiculous subculture which is based on complete nonsense people learned about on the internet. And today we're taking a long, hard look at our favourite scoff laws. People who won't take, drop the weapon and come out of the car with your hands up seriously. That's right, folks, sovsits. Yeah, sovsits, or sovereign citizens, as uh, they're some of my favourite people. I mean, I detest them, but they're very funny. Like... They're a nightmare breed of backward bush lawyers who refuse to live by the laws of the state, but they also refuse to be arrested, which means, of course, the police violently arrest them. I'm glad you used the extended term sovereign citizens, Joel, because for a long time there, I thought they were called Soviets. And I couldn't quite see how it worked. I mean, if there was one government that didn't take any shit, it was the former Soviet Union. And there might have been some unhappy punters, but there weren't any sovsits in the Soviet Union, Joel. That's right, Jack. No one really ever had the temerity to say, I don't consent to a set of laws enforced by a brutal totalitarian state. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. Well, we'll just take your balls out of the vice and you can leave the gulag whenever you feel like it. Whenever you're ready. Look, we wouldn't want to tell you what to do. You're a free man on the land. Ah, yes. Alas, it is the fate of Western participatory democracies to have these corpusculent barnacles attached to the ship of state. They're a dangerous bunch of fuckwits and they scare the hell out of the wallopers. So much so that I, like Alan Jones, pine for the days when Roger Rogerson was a silent sentinel of law and order. Roger would have had sovsits out of their cars and into shallow graves in a trice. A shallow graves, Joel. Wonderful Australian invention. It's a real time saver, Jack. After a hard day's murder and the last thing you want to do is dig a fucking big hole. So just kick some leaves and sticks over that dirty, dead sovsit. And we'll have more on sovsits and what's to be done about them in our deeper dive. But first, the conditional release program's weekly news. What's been front and centre of your consciousness this week? Well, George Christensen, or better known as the member for Manila, has been in trouble again recently after Cameron Wilson found his personal Facebook account has a quite long list of fairly dubious groups and likes, which I can relate to except for the fact that I'm not in Parliament. And this is one of the reasons why I never will be. Among the list of hot topics he likes to follow are QAnon groups, white supremacy mm. groups, including This Is Europa, which seems to mention the Great Replacement a bit, which is a bit of a worry. Anti-vax groups, classic. Mm-hmm. Also, anti-Bill Gates goes hand in hand. COVID denialism, which is just so on trend. And sketchy alt-right pages, which obviously have a few nods to Islamophobia. And as usual, crickets from the liberals, no surprises there. Crickets from mainstream media, this was on BuzzFeed. Christensen's admitted to owning the profile, still crickets, labours onto it, but as usual, no one gives a fuck what they have to say and the world just keeps on spinning. Regrettable news, Joe, deeply regrettable. But in a lighter moment, the world discovered an addition to the already swollen pantheon of metaphors for masturbation this week when scribbler at the New Yorker and CNN couch potato Jeffrey Tubin got caught pleasuring himself during a Zoom call with his colleagues at the New Yorker and some screamers from the local radio station. That's right, Tubin. It's the brand new name for having one off the wrist while you're sitting around here under pants on a teleconference. 
back in the days before pandemic, working from home was a metaphor in itself. If you were working from home, it meant you got up at the crack of nine and emptied your nuts thrice by lunchtime. And with thanks to Jeffrey, Tubin sounds a lot more civilised. A subtle way to splash your jizz about so Helen from marketing thinks you're just fidgeting with your desk stationery. According to a CNN spokesman, Jeffrey Tubin has requested leave, which was granted, to deal with a personal issue. He's talking about compulsive masturbation, folks. It's America and we all know what's going to happen to the Tubester. He'll call himself a sex addict, tearful mea culpa, off to rehab and then come back a new man to adoring crowds, although no one will ever want to shake his hand ever again. And that's it for news. That's all that happened this week. And if anyone says differently, they can meet me in the car park right now. If I'm not there, start without me. I could be tubing. You never know. Very good. (laughs) But now the segment you've all been dreading, the part of the show that draws an almost Pavlovian reaction to grab your phone or whatever the fuck you're using and hurl it against the wall in disgust. It's our deeper dive. For fuck's sake, Joel, before I choke on my own rage, what the fuck is a sovsit? So basically, sovsits are people that think the laws do not apply to them. Uh, They separate themselves as flesh and blood from their legal identity, uh, which is made on paper. So essentially, your ties to the state through birth certificates, tax file numbers, voter enrollment, and various other contracts, and not between you as a flesh and blood person as such, but your legal identity. They often call this a straw man. And when you get a letter from the government, be it like a notice or a fine for being a dickhead and breaking the law, your name is all in caps. And that's not you, that's your straw man. And the corporation that was established at your birth to interact with the government agencies and the corporate entities, which are arguably invalid. These guys think that Australia is a corporation, and this is based on the incredibly flimsy premise that the Australian government is listed on the Securities and Exchange Commission as a corporation in the United States. It's incredibly Australian to think that our entire government is not only a total bitch to the Americans, but literally only exists as a listing on their corporate register. It's pretty sad. Australian sovsits have huge 51st state hang-ups, considering most of the sovereign citizen framework is just stolen from the American playbook. Uh, We barely even change the details. It's typical of us to just take a shitty American thing and then call it our own with a few minor changes. Sovereign citizens will call themselves certain names and use certain terminology as a set of cheat codes to get out of trouble and any kind of obligations toward the state. Sovsits are free men on the land or natural living beings, and this is because their flesh and blood cannot be held down by the laws and regulations of the land because only their corporate strawman identity can be legitimately contracted with the state, which requires consent. The consent is the agreement which forms the contract. This might sound ridiculous, and that is because it is. When this is attempted to be used in court, it ends terribly for them every single time. They are famous for their refusal to accept local councils as legitimate and therefore refuse to pay council rates. Unsurprisingly, this goes really badly when the council decides enough is enough and takes them to court. Sovereign citizens will say they are travelling instead of driving. Driving is a commercial practice which does indeed need a licence, but... That's a contract with the state. Travelling is a God-given right, just like God gave us roads and traffic systems, right? Sovsits will say shit like, I comprehend to the police and not I understand. And that's because common sovsit folklore says that understand means I stand under you. And a way of the cops to trick your flesh and blood into contracting with the police as a corporation and submitting to their authority. See, if the cops don't know this trick, they tend to just get annoyed. But the funny thing is, when the cops do know about the trick, they tend to then trick the person in committing various offences. 
defenses. For example, asking them submit to a drug and breath test and knowing they're going to refuse and then citing them to go to court based on the refusal of a test, which of course has massive penalties. Whenever challenged by police, it is always this ridiculous and annoying show of how clever they are, how well they know the law. It's this smug display of highly confident and incredibly stupid wrong legal knowledge that tries to poke holes into the police practice. Almost always, it's accompanied by threats of legal action for daring to carry out their illegitimate duties. They're always trying to one-up on the cops, which almost guarantees they get citations, court dates, and possibly taken home in a divvy van. This comes from their obsession at picking at the law and it derives from the different meaning of words found in Black's legal dictionary. There's the natural and ordinary meaning of words in a normal dictionary and then there's the legal ones. And they pick the one they think that works better for their cause and they repeat it like children until it somehow becomes law. They often have these little printed out A4 guides as to like what to say and when and it's all based on complete bullshit and often they charge for it online. They're incredibly annoying. There's a ton of videos on YouTube of them rolling up to police checkpoints with the utmost confidence after doing a few paid seminars online and their smugness is infuriating. You just find yourself wanting them to be violently arrested. Watching these videos really brings out the worst in yourself. You, you find yourself really wanting them to get tased. The amazing thing here is that people record the videos themselves. They upload them themselves. They think they're the heroes and they're so oblivious to the fact that people are laughing at them and not cheering them on. So these people are very funny and incredibly stupid. So Jack and I are going to have a good look at these idiots and discuss what makes them tick and what they're on about. Because we're not talking about the anti-lockdowners. We're going to get to them later. Today, we're talking about the Sovsits, the free men on the land, the natural living beings that won't take shit from a corporation. Good on them. Yeah, so tell me, Joel, I've heard a lot of these guys, I've seen video, videos of them being arrested by police and they're screaming, shrieking out, I do not consent, I do not consent. What's going on there? Yeah, the I do not consent thing uh, is uh, it's a really commonly heard thing, especially at these sort of rallies and uh, people in the car stops and very much toward the 5G thing of the idea that I do not consent to 5G being, you know, beamed through my house. But essentially what it appears to be is it appears to come from the US Declaration of Independence. So because we stole sovereign citizen ideology from the states, it seems like we've taken I do not consent, but not really kept the context because... The quote seems to come from the Declaration of Independence, and the de Declaration states that governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And taking that consent word very literally, they basically say that without consent, there is no just power from the government. So this is their cheat code to get out of consenting to the authority of the government. Obviously, not only does it not work, in America, because it's a declaration and not a binding statute, but it's also not even a thing in Australia. Yeah, so they don't actually work. The the, uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence is a little more than a trivial item uh, in in Australian history. It, it doesn't really work. If you front it up, if you front it up with the High Court with that under your arm, you wouldn't get very far. And that won't stop them from trying. Uh, this is probably something I wouldn't surprise me if they've already done this, not in the high court, but in a district or uh, other irate magistrate's house that uh, worked out as badly as you can imagine it would. And although they love to harp on about how they don't consent and there's all these sort of oppressions going on in this participatory democracy we live in, a lot of it's actually financial. 
this is what, when we really start digging deep, this is what the sovereign citizen movement is all about. It's actually saying it's a grift, it's a ripoff. It's actually saying we don't want to pay taxes. And you've got soft sits travelling around the states offering, offering seminars, little black seminars that they have uh, where they take a bit of coin off uh, idiotic locals and then tell them how they can fail to file their taxes with the IRS and get into all sorts of trouble. Yeah, and I mean, you almost feel sorry for them. There's a lot of this is born in poverty where people think that they can get out of having to pay uh, fairly exorbitant American taxes. The registration and, and license fees over there are quite huge and wages are quite low. So I can see the motivation between trying to get out of a, a government that taxes you for fairly little return. These guys don't have free health care. I think that the fact that most of their money just goes to sort of bombing third world countries doesn't really give them the value for money they're looking for and pin that with another you know underlying tone of taxation is theft and the whole fact that the country is born on this sort of sense of the individual it's not a place that likes to be taxed but our soft sits are a little bit different aren't they our sovereign citizens are more middle class and a bit more just sort of petulant children. They, they, they don't like being told what to do and they're not going to take orders from you, mum or anyone. And that kind of rebellion is an interestingly Australian trait. But at the same time, it doesn't have that same sort of understandable uh, root of um, fear and poverty that does in the States. It's just sort of annoying. So, so a little bit like... Uh the American sovereign citizen movement meets perceptions of Ned Kelly, you know, like basically dangerously unhinged men with firearms meet uh, a dangerously unhinged man with a firearm. Yeah, that's bang on. And I think one of the funniest things about Soul Sits is they think they're Ned Kelly. So they turn up, they think they're, you know, rebelling against the man and they're, they're heroes of the day. But realistically, they're just sort of these annoying pseudo-intellectual wankers that just like to be sort of, you know arbitrarily argumentative at uh, checkpoints and, and traffic stops, but they absolutely see themselves as bushrangers. They really do. Well, I mean, if I looked at all of this, if I looked at all of these characteristics, I would say these are these are the sorts of things you would find in a common criminal. These are, yes. you know, people who say, well, the laws, the rules, even conventions, we just don't accept them. Yep. And we'll do whatever we please whenever we please. Now that's that's very much a criminal mentality. Yeah, I think the main difference between criminal mentality and sovsit mentality is that with the sovsits, they think they have this elaborate cheat code framework to get out of obligations to the state, which does include crime and regulations of that nature. But I mean, these guys think that they are so outside the law, they don't even need driver's licenses. And I mean... Even your common criminal who sticks up a bloody servo is going to drive out of there with a license in his pocket. When Sovsits say they're travelling, not driving, I mean, they're breaking the law. Yes, yeah, so uh, this comes, uh, this is a bit of a problem, isn't it? Particularly for law enforcement who pull them over because they're travelling, they might be travelling at speed and uh, draw the attention of uh, the highway patrol. And that gets to be a very dangerous situation, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, they'll pull them up and you can see this on YouTube. They'll go through their whole rigmarole of travelling, not driving, and they'll make up all sorts of ridiculous things, poke holes in anything the cop says. But eventually, if they don't provide ID and they do become as much of a nuisance as they tend to, they'll have their window smashed and they'll be pulled out of their car, which is a fairly violent end to what is a fairly arbitrary um, uh, traffic stop. But... Of course, it does have much more severe uh, consequences when it comes to the states where everyone's armed to the teeth. 
So when the cops pull over a good old Sovsit, the Sovsit not only believes that they're right to be traveling, but that the cop is using illegitimate force and that they're legally justified to stand their ground. Now, obviously, they're not, and shooting a cop is a really bad idea for several reasons, but they seem convinced that it is not only uh, completely reasonable, but virtuous. It has happened in uh, two very famous cases, and, uh, and, and uh, in both cases, police or law enforcement were murdered at yep. the scene. Others, there's a lot of screaming, I don't consent, I don't consent, as windows are broken by police officers. Yes. Tasers are used and guns are, are uh, uh, pointed. Um, so, so if, you, if you're going to take on the American, if you're going to take on the American police system, good luck. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, you know, look, obviously, the great fear is that if you if, if you've got some of these grifters, they will have developed significant. Um, uh, outstanding matters, outstanding criminal matters across a number of states. So when they get pulled over, the, the serious guys, they're reaching for weapons and law enforcement has really no chance. Uh, they just it's approach tricky. the window and, that, and that's basically it. So and this the, is and why, it fired. must be said, Joel, they have, been lo- they have been described as a domestic terror organisation by the, by the FBI. Yeah, the FBI was pretty right to uh, classify them that way. I mean, on a country built on the idea of militia rebellion against the government, you, you've got a pretty perfect storm when it comes to sovsits and uh, the legitimization of force against uh, you know cops on the cops on the street. In 2015, New South Wales uh, declared the sovereign citizens a potential uh, domestic threat, but I think that was more of an idea that they looked at the states and they thought there was a lot to be worried about. But, like, let's face it, there is a massive difference between the states and us. We just don't have as many guns. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess we've got John Howe to thank for that. Oh, yeah, and a lot of the right wing in Australia have not forgotten that. Um, They believe that uh, Port Arthur was basically staged in order to take the guns away and, you know, coil the population, all that sort of real paranoid American-style thinking, and they really do. They they still circulate Port Arthur conspiracies to this day very actively. I'm sure there's a lot of sobsit overlap there. But, of course, most of our sobsits aren't heavily armed, and they're just the kind of people who think they've got a cheat code to get out of any kind of obligation to the state which is just on on balance really annoying. And they just nitpick at cops and they hassle them and they record interactions at Bunnings about masks and they're just general fuckwits. But they're not the kind of people who, for example, just recently some sovsits in the States plotted to kidnap the governor of Michigan. I mean, I feel like we're a long way away from that. So for New South Wales to declare sovsits as some kind of domestic threat with any kind of sincerity, I think it's really got a long way to get to before I start getting concerned. Look, we can talk about American law enforcement, Joel, but look, when you're a self-sitting Australia and, for example, you take on Victoria Police or you might dash through a checkpoint um, that's been set up, the so-called Ring of Steel around, uh, yes. around Melbourne, uh, when you, do, when you do, do a runner on the cops, on the Victoria Police Force, I mean, I can set my watch by when that person who's, who's done the dash gets pulled over oh, yeah. by the police and there will be a violent arrest. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, especially when you post something like that on social media. Unsurprisingly, Victoria Police don't seem to take kindly to being humiliated on the internet. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, this is, the sort of, this, this is what bothers me, that they, that they have these sort of beliefs, but they're coming up against the Victoria Police Force in many cases. And... Um, and uh, yes, it's uh, it, it's a it's a tough game. You don't want to take them on. 
I think the thing that really shits me with this is that there's people out there who are grifting audiences, encouraging, actively encouraging, whether it be on YouTube and online forums or whether it be in person at some sort of like conference or lecture, they're actively encouraging people to do this. And they're actively encouraging people to be violently arrested, put in front of a magistrate and possibly given a conviction that may impact their employment opportunities, their travel opportunities. And this is the kind of thing that is uh, often marketed to vulnerable people who have low legal literacy and they wind up in more trouble than they ever thought they would. And it's just, it's a bad idea. Everything about this is just such a bad idea. Potentially dangerous situation. Potentially dangerous situation. But there's... They've actually developed a bit of a language of all of their own, haven't they? They seem to love anagrams and and all sorts of word use. One of the reasons they do um, punctuate their names, put commas, letters, dashes, is they actually believe that there are central mail scanners that are looking at all of your correspondence as it goes through, and this way they'll avoid detection. I didn't know that. I think that's actually really interesting because that is – such a delightfully paranoid thing to come up with. It's uh, It really fits the bill. It's such a sobsit thing to think. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, I, I think there's one thing in common with the cops and the sobsits is that they probably also see the delineation between the flesh and blood you and the contract you. And the contract you has the right to, say, uh, claim police brutality in court, whereas the flesh and blood you is just going to get beaten to a pulp in a questioning room. So, you know. But that, 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 that's my question. Do they expect to get away with this? I mean, particularly New South Wales Police, Queensland Police, Western Australian Police with their uh, rich histories. I mean, are they expected? Are they, how, how's your average subset going to get on? I, I don't think they're going to get on very well. There's going to be some arrests. There's going to be a few tasers waved around. And you find yourself wanting them to get tased in all these videos they post up. You sit there and you you seriously want them to be tackled. You 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 slightly cheer for them when they have their windows broken, and that's that doesn't feel good. But they keep making these bloody videos. It's like they practice in the mirror, isn't it? You know, like they practice these these uh, these stand tos against uh, against the cops or any authority figure. Generally, and and, I, and and see how they get on. So, they, so when when they're talking to police, there's obviously deep sort of deep sort of co- uh, conflict going on there. How do they handle themselves? Do they end up in court? Oh yeah, they turn up in court, and it goes about as badly as you can imagine. They end up saying all the same shit they said in the car or whatever it was to get them into trouble in the first place. No lawyer is going to represent them because the stuff they ask them to do is just completely ridiculous. They just piss off the magistrate and just cause a bloody ruckus. I mean, there's a guy who runs a website named thefreemandelusion.com. You can find it on Google or wherever. And his name is Robert Sudi. He's he's a legal historian of Sovsit bullshit. It's really quite brilliant. And the guy is super active. It's uh, it's a real database. It's a it's a rich resource. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it if you want to look at some actual court transcripts of people fronting up to a magistrate and basically saying with the full confidence of an idiot, I do not recognize your authority. And then more or less being escorted to jail. I mean, it's it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. Because it's not it's not just government. Because you know they, they want you to you want you to fight with the with the banks as well. And, and yeah, so so a lot of these a lot of these events, particularly in Australia, arise from property seizures. Not just that they they get it they get it in their minds that they don't have to pay the the banks the money they borrowed from. Yeah, look, 
Uh, yeah, I hate the banks as much as the next guy, but I think there's a lot of cheek in borrowing a vast sum of money and then turning around and saying, I don't recognize your authority and trying to keep the house. Uh, like, banks are assholes, massive bastards, but this is not the way to go around it. And it's just sort of embarrassing. It seems like one of those things where you're trying to steal a cookie from the jar when no one's watching. And if you get caught, you just say, well, the cookie's there. I mean, I should have it, right? Like, it's just not how this works. And it's so ridiculously contra to their ultra-capitalist I-hate-socialism shtick they usually come out with. And you sort of think, mate, where are you at? Like, where? Pick a lane because you're not making any sense. But yeah, sovereign citizens do have a rich history of property seizure. Um, and some of their uh, fairly notorious ringleaders are actually uh, victims of the property seizure from their incredibly shit decisions. A bloke named John Wilson, who's attributed as being one of the earlier sovereign citizens, he um, basically decided that his mortgage wasn't valid for some reason or another, some sort of sobsit garble, and it turned out the bank didn't think that his uh, house was valid. So, uh, yeah, got kicked out of there, unsurprisingly. <laughs> what do you expect? Generally, the first thing you're going to get once you once you enter a courtroom, and, and something like that, presumably you're going to be dealt with, it's going to be dealt with in the county court. Um, and at very least, and and you're gonna you're gonna come across a pretty cross judge, a pretty unhappy beak. It's gonna gonna look at your your pile of documents, your pile of dodgy documents as your associate walks in, opens them up, and starts spouting spouting dodgy law from from up to three continents. And judge is gonna you know gonna be hard pressed not to put them away for contempt. Yeah, John Wilson's done time for contempt in court, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other sovsits that have uh, done, you know, probably two weeks at a time, just basically just taking the piss in a courtroom. But, I mean, these guys absolutely thrive on wasting the court's time. Like, they have this massive obsession with ridiculous laws that are either non-binding UN conventions or, of course, their favourite, the Magna Carta, especially Article 61, which uh, sort of focuses on jury trials and this sense of freedom, which is sort of, you know, half-cocked and not exactly really uh, anything to, to gloat about. The funny thing, and this is such a sovsit thing for them to have done... They took a part of the article, uh, the Magna Carta, the Article 61. This was repealed within months of the Magna Carta being ratified. Like, this was one of the bits that they thought the Magna Carta really shouldn't have. And it's so typically subsit for them to sit there and think, you know what? We want the bit that they didn't put in. They just seem to revel on being these, like, outsider dickbags, even if it's a bit embarrassing. This is something that was cobbled together by a halfwit in, in the early 13th century and now longer now, now no longer has any bearing. It was wiped from the document. I just love the idea, the very image of Sovsits just unrolling a, a copy of the Magna Carta in a courtroom. On like shitty old parchment that's actually office works paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that they paid the best part of four hundred dollars from from <laughs> Right, so they cherry pick laws. And what they'll do is they'll say that they, you know, they follow the common law. And the common law isn't some sort of strange uh, wingnut idea. It's, you know, it's the idea of following precedent from a hierarchy of courts. And that's, that is very standard uh, legal practice. But the thing is, is because they completely reject statute, which is a part of the decisions in common law, they have to go back to common law to the things from like other countries or 
1500s and all sorts of things where someone, you know, borrowed a cup of ginger and got shot in the face with a musket. I mean, it's really ridiculous. And the way they find these things seems to be very much like that similar QAnon thing where everyone I don't like is a pedophile. In the Sobsit world, every law I don't like is invalid. And here's a common law out of context obita from a bloody judge in 1215 and now apparently i get to do what the fuck i want it's just ridiculous they've got a uh, hot and cold relationship with the united nations too oh yeah well i mean like you probably heard them say in some of the videos that uh you know the un convention on human rights forbids this this is not Binding And it's so irritating on several levels because not only are you using a non-binding convention to try and get out of trouble, I'm sorry, but that's not a part of the Crimes Act, just saying, which apparently you know fucking everything about. But also, you hate the UN. They're the globalists. They're the Bill Gates WHO agenda. Agenda 21 and your UN convention, they're under the same umbrella. So what's it going to be? Is it going to be Agenda 21 or the Convention of Human Rights. You can't cherry pick which convention you like and then turn around and whinge about how the UN is invalid on Facebook. You just pick a fucking lane, guys. Well, they just, you know, they, they love they love a convention, but they actually hate the UN. That's 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 the difference. That's a, that makes sense to them. But basically, would you describe it as being like a like a cult? I mean, you know, there these grifters running around selling the don't you don't have to pay tax type uh, seminars. Yeah, they just sell them red pills. Um, it's this idea that like, you know, you take this red pill, you take this seminar and all of a sudden you're now free. You're free from the shackles of this oppressive place that makes you pay council rates and, you know, stops you from parking where you want to for however the fuck long you want to, regardless of whether you're handicapped or not. I mean, it's it's selfish and it's stupid. We're not talking. We're not talking about college-educated people here, are we? We're generally speaking, or you know, maybe the odd college dropout. But um, you know, so this is this is where they go, and and it must be said certainly in Australia, and I imagine the same thing in the United States. I can certainly see that uh, highly regionalised sort of population there. But but um, but in Australia, you're seeing these people more often than not are fringe dwellers as well. You know, on, on the fringes of our cities. Yeah, this definitely applies in the States when you've got like uh, most of your subset videos involve like your proper rednecks. But it's interesting because, you know, when it comes to the subsets in Australia, they are tend to be fringe dwellers. They tend to be quite rural, the kind of guys who've been wearing the same polo shirt for about two decades. They don't tend to come from Turak. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to draw too many aspersions toward that, but they do tend to come from the more um, outer suburbs of the cities and more rural areas. And they, yeah, they, they tend to carry a, a fairly low level of education as a general rule, but just that sort of honest guy trying to get by thing. And they're quite susceptible to these ideas that are put in their head that, you know, the elites are against them and that it's us against them. And instead of having some sort of actually reasonable political discourse that may actually change something, they do it on an individualistic level, which says that I should be able to get out of this and everyone else be damned. Now, and targeting ethnic groups, Indigenous people? Yeah, this one's a really tricky one. I mean, as a white man on stolen land, I do find it very hard to really throw my hat in the ring as to, you know, what Indigenous people should think or do. But I have seen a very concerning uptick in the way that grifters tend to be targeting Indigenous audiences and giving them the idea they can get out of trouble 
on these cheat codes and getting them into more trouble than is necessary, which is a real shame. Look, sovereignty was never ceded. So when you start telling someone the crown's invalid and the only sovereignty in the country is in the hands of the original owners, I mean, there's an argument for that. And honestly, it's pretty compelling. But when it comes to the people who are selling this idea, like Rod Cullerton in Western Australia and his great Australian party, mate, you're a former One Nation guy. You're just a sob sit who sees the fact that sovereignty was never ceded and you're jumping on the back of a legitimate argument, spreading your own fucking bullshit on top of it. And all that happens is some kid goes to a seminar, finds out how to get around the law, goes to the court, turns up and probably goes to jail as a result. It doesn't sit well with me at all. I I don't want to say I'm an authority on this, but it doesn't sit well with me at all. Yeah, it's just... But, it, but it's playing on their grievance, you know. And, and again, we are talking about people who are pretty vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, if I was Indigenous, I'd find it pretty difficult to uh, sit there and say, oh, yes, well, I'm in a court case against the Crown and the Crown is completely valid and this is a completely reasonable situation to be in. I mean, there's a lot loaded behind that Crown for Indigenous Australians and for people to come and exploit that to try and push this sovereign citizen agenda, I feel like what they're doing is they're using Indigenous Australia and the fact that sovereignty was never ceded as a legitimacy shield. And like I say, it doesn't sit well with me at all. It seems like uh, Rod Callerton is the uh, sort of suspect number one when it comes to exploiting this and uh, allying with various organisations. I don't want to go into too much detail on it, but Rod Callerton himself is an interesting part of the SOPSIP movement, uh, basically uh, trying to get back into Parliament with the uh, the help of his mate Wayne Glue. Now, Rod Cullerton got into Parliament in a fairly funny uh, way that's very reminiscent of uh, Stephen Bradbury's gold medal. Yes, it's a funny little story. One Nation didn't throw any money into Western Australia at all, and uh, Cullerton, his son-in-law and his wife stood on the ticket, virtually unsupported, um, and, uh, well, what little campaigning they were able to do uh, Rod ended up in the Senate. But uh, it turned out that uh, Rod Callerton's financial demons caught up with him. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. At the time, well, it wasn't just, he, he was he was ineligible uh, on two counts, which is a wonderful thing. Rod Callerton was actually convicted of larceny prior to the election being held. Uh, he would have been kicked out if he'd been convicted afterwards, of course, but the simple fact of the matter is that he should not have been standing uh, because he'd been convicted of larceny. He appealed in the courts uh, and, and uh, came up uh, empty-handed. So he was uh, had been convicted of larceny. He was also, uh, very quickly after uh, he joined the Senate, uh, declared a bankrupt in the federal court. And uh, he was for he was uh, an undischarged bankrupt for a number of years. Uh, I'm not sure where, what his financial status is at the moment, but yes, he got the uh, two strikes and you're out from the Senate. That's a shame. Such a uh, good friend of the nation. Uh. Oh, well, look, he, he was no friend to crockery. The, the wonderful photo of Rod Carlton that will always be in the na- in the nation's memory is of him picking up a, a an upturned cup and saucer from a table laden with them in the parliament and... Uh, sort of uh, giving the table a little bit of a bump and we almost had a sort of domino collapse around him. It was And, and Rod's pulled the incredible, <laughs> I'm a senator, but look what I've done. I'm an idiot. So, that, yes, yeah, so that, that, that'll remain with us forever. Um, uh, so One Nation didn't work for him. Yeah, he calls himself a uh, senator in exile, which is uh, kind of funny, and a little bit of a nod to the line about uh, those shall not be exiled in the Article 61 of the Magna Carta. 
So we uh, we all go full circle. But um, yeah, he has moved on to uh, to different things, namely starting a uh, new political party with his good mate and very well known sovereign citizen Wayne Glue. Um, this is one of those things that's just destined to fail, but a good part of the uh, political landscape. Bit of a giggle. Um, and, uh, you know, who would have thunk it? The Great Australian Party. The, the Great Australia Party, because Australia is great. And uh, and they've just left on that name. It's a wonderful piece of marketing. I reckon they've sat around oh, over a few drinks uh, for about two or three minutes and come up with that. But it's actually, well, you put them at the front of a, a Senate ballot, you put them... <laughs> First couple of cabs off the rank in a Senate ballot, and they're getting some votes. Yeah, it's like every sort of jingoistic bullshit party name. Like, they're not calling it the Sovereign Citizens of Australia because people would look at that and start laughing or wonder what the fuck they're talking about. But Great Australian Party, I mean, you can just get a few nods just by turning up with a crap name like that. Look, Wayne Glue, what's Wayne been up to? What's his, what, what's his go? Where's he from? What's he about? So Wayne is very funny. I mean, he looks exactly the way he sounds. He's this sort of grey blob that speaks like this sort of rejected Sesame Street character. He basically has the charisma of a Hessian sack and he's a former police officer. So you can see that it's actually quite funny that this guy used to be the guy that can't stand dealing with who he is now. Um, Look... He's, he's quite well known for all the wrong reasons. He got declared a vexatious litigant in 2014 in Western Australia because his legal position was described as nonsensical and incoherent. So this, of course, is the basis for which he sells the lectures and workshops where you too could be as uh, nonsensical and incoherent as he is, which is a great selling point. Lectures, they actually sell really well. Like, people actually turn up to these things. I mean, Wayne fought the law, and as usual, the law won quite convincingly. But despite that, he's a bit of a thought leader in the uh, fairly ridiculous field of sovereign citizens. I mean, he sells a shadow copy of the Constitution, which is this annotated Constitution that he says is the legitimate and valid one, opposed to the one that the High Court recognises. And uh, he doesn't pay his council rates. And he didn't for over a decade and owed the council around 30000 bucks, which is not a pity but not a life ruiner and because of his belief that local councils are invalid because of his stupid hot take on the constitution he's decided to take the matter to court after wasting the court's time for about a decade Geraldton Council won and was awarded legal costs which came in the form of his house it turned out to be around 300k by the time it was finished See, the mayor of Geraldton, uh, Shane Van Stein, was not interested in taking Wayne Glue's shit and uh, decisively pummeled him in court and then after that mocked him on the internet about how he'd lost his house and uh, shared that with us in the uh, Ospol Nuffy room and, you know, Nuffies of Australian politics and those sort of various groups. And it's just, it is, uh, it's childish, but look, let's face it, when the, the bar is set so low, then what can you do? But... Wayne's doing okay. You know, he's selling the Constitution. Uh, he's uh, selling out his uh, seminars that seem to be doing bizarrely well. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a Senate candidate. And, uh, you know, who knows? One day, Rod and Wayne, dynamic duo in the Western Australian Senate, uh, you know, keeping the bastards honest. He's got, he's, he's, he's got a fabulous name. You've got to, you've got to love the name, Wayne Glue. He, he actually sounds like he was born to be a subset. I mean, not only that, but he likes to call himself Wayne of the Family Glue because somehow it's a sovsit cheat code of not being Wayne Glue, who probably has a lot of uh, citations, arrests, and a various record that's probably worth getting away from. 
But ha- in happier news, I mean, Wayne Glue and Rod Carlton, there's a, there's a ticket for... There's a ticket for a bit of Australian progress. Now they did they did run. I don't know how yep. states they uh, they had senator senate candidates in, but I think it was a lot of them. Yeah, they went all, they went across the board. So, but but they did they got, they got point two three of a vote, which means or the national vote, national senate vote, which uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but Joel, it's got a few votes. Well, the thing with the point two three number is that it's actually all in all, 34,000 first preference votes, which means that it's not the whole preference whisperer bullshit that happened several years ago that made oh, us all wonder how the hell. happened now. This but is what, first preference votes. What you're, what you're probably looking at, again, Great Australia Party. Wow, Great Australia Party. Uh, if, you, if, you, if they end up close enough to the... Uh, to the top left corner of the ballot, they're going to get a few votes, as I said. It's the donkey vote for idiots because if you don't like Australia and you don't think it's great, then, well, I mean, love it or leave, right? Ah, fantastic work. Um, Well, that is an exhaustive, deep, deep dive into the world of soft sits. And, Joel, I can tell you're very, very angry, so it's got to be time to let off some steam. Give it a rant, son. Go hard. Just pay your fucking council rates, you cunts. You aren't special. If you park in the handicap spot, you deserve what you get. Don't like time parking? Don't drive. What the fuck is wrong with you? If you can't see the purpose of timed parking, then you aren't fit for society. As a free man of the family, whatever, you get to do what you want? No, you narcissistic gumboot. Saying you're a natural living being is meaningless. What does that even mean? Who isn't a natural living being? It doesn't mean you're above the law. Get a grip. We live in a fucking society. Stop pretending that you're the king of the island. Because unless your ancestors have been here for around 80,000 years, you're not a sovereign Australian and you never will be. So stop saying it. It was never ceded, especially not to you. What is missing from your life that makes you such a petulant child? Did you really have to make up this whole fake legal construct to feel like you're valid as a human being? Australia isn't a corporation and you fucking know it. You didn't find a legal loophole, you found an accounting mechanism. You use the word treason like you know what it means. It isn't just a catch-all term for shit you don't like. You're not a lawyer and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There's all this effort to try and be the big man on canvas and it's not impressing anyone. Why don't you take up whittling or scrapbooking? Go and make something instead of spending all your time on the internet bleating about how the law doesn't apply to you and that you're only answer to God. Because God probably doesn't exist and you're definitely not special. You're just annoying and really loud. Your incessant whinging, the way you relish in fucking with bunning staff at award wages, proudly making videos of yourself parading in there, annoying the cops that are tasked with enforcing mask orders at checkpoints. This year is hard enough already. Without your bullshit, it's childish. Your stunts aren't clever. They're embarrassing. Grow the fuck up. The ideas of freedom you rattle on about don't exist here. I have a million tiny violins playing for you. You're stuck in this shithole country that you thought you loved where the constitution does fuck all to enable your shitty behaviour. Move to the States. They have tons of established freedoms that you can use to justify being a serial pest. And they have cool guns. In Australia, your rights are decided by Parliament. That's how the constitution works. And contrary to your paranoid delusions about being oppressed because of a parking ticket or a mask order, it actually works reasonably well if you're not a giant fuckwit. Getting a law degree on YouTube is objectively pathetic. The school of hard knocks isn't a school. 
You guys have found this weird new sense of empowerment and purpose this year with the legal and societal changes from the coronavirus, but for the rest of us, this has just been nothing but an awful reminder that you people still exist. We're all trying to band together to make this country a functioning society in a seriously challenging time, but then there's cunts like you. Cunts who throw tantrums whenever they have to do something they don't like. Oh, I don't consent. Nobody fucking asked you. Shut up and behave yourself. Because you're not clever, you're not above the law, you're just irritating. So mate, if you don't love it, leave. So you don't consent? There's the fucking door. We are tired and bored of your bullshit. When the virus is spreading, stay home. If asked to, wear a mask. And last but not least, please, for the love of God, shut the fuck up. Well, I'm scared. I'm very, very scared after all of that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, there, was a, there was a lot of swearing. That's just a... Yeah. It's a summary of how I feel about the situation. I mean, there you go. Yeah, so you had to let off a lot of steam. These people really they get under your skin, stupid, and there's almost no stopping them. They are an absolute threat to law enforcement, and indeed, there have been murders. They have in the states, mind, but uh, you know, soft sits. You've given us plenty to think about, and what is to be done with them? I suggest something fairly harsh. But now, my absolute favourite segment of the program. It's the week. Is the week going to be enough? Is the week going to be enough? The week in Pete Evans. It has been a very big week in Pete Evans. It's always a big week in Pete Evans. Always, always. As a move of general sort of self-harm and uh, sort of uh, cat-like curiosity, I've uh, joined onto Pete Evans' telegram because apparently that's where the really good shit comes in. This is a forward from David Avocado Wolf, and it may or may not have been him saying this, but the meme says, this is what it looks like when Big Pharma takes over your country. Get some guns while you can. Get some guns. Get an arsenal together. Uh, Surely uh, the idea of uh, little skinny paleo Pete on the bang with a Winchester 30-30 breech load, it's got no written all over it. It just ping across the roof from the recoil. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe for disaster. Now, look, that's 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 the sort of thing that uh, you and I would be busy with. But Pete, he's got to have had more. He's got to have done more. He's a busy guy. Pete is uh, about as rapid fire as the machine guns he doesn't have on uh, social media, or at least so we've been led to believe. But uh, the next thing was an interesting one because Pete's always been a MAGA man. Well, not always, but he's he's quite open about being a Trump supporter. Oh, he's and got the hat. Coming- I've seen him with the hat. Yes. Oh, he's into it. He's into it because Trump's a light worker, as he's uh, as he's said before. Mm. But um, so he posted this sort of red October hunters become the hunted. You know, a real like you know sort of spy thriller sort of meme. It gives a bit of a nod to the anons down the bottom and the Great Awakening. So there's you know where we go, one we go mm. all. So it's got all the usual. That's the language language we like to hear. Oh, yeah. We've got some hashtags in here. But the interesting thing about this is not the post up, but it's actually what's couched underneath it because Pete, being a man of the people, he's not one to leave his supporters hanging. And if someone brings up a good point, he's always happy to address it. Mm, Now, one of the lovely, lovely people who clearly has nothing wrong with them mentioned in uh, in the comments thread that, we're looking at a bit of a Nazi situation here. Nazi Ooh. Germany infiltrating Australia. Now, Pete, uh, not known for his historical analysis, has piped in and shown us his more librarian side and said that she may wish to have another look at the true history about Germany. 
What do you think he's on, on about there, Joe? What, what do you think he, he wants us to delve into 17th century history of the Holy Roman Empire? Do you think do you think he wants to talk about German unification in the 1990s? Uh, what do you think he's on about there? Do you think he's possibly uh, on about Germany in the 20th century? And what well, happened there? Uh, well, well, Pete's famous for being vague, so I'm really not sure. Oh, well, it could have been that he was uh, after uh, the uh, development of the home pregnancy test in 1928, uh, yeah, one of the great uh, moments in German history. Uh, so uh, that's possibly what he means. Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, it's hard to put your finger on what someone could possibly be saying mm-hmm. in a situation like that. But one of the interesting things is is that I think Pete's one of those guys who likes to try things, and then if they don't work for him, he jumps out. So he's deleted the post, right. which means I think our uh, experience with Chef Pete Evans as the historian yeah. is over. It's not, he's, look, he's, he's not a man of the past. He's a man of the future. He he's is. a man who wants to spend three or four hours under the bio lamp and just fire himself up and get stuck right into the future. Now, that would be the sort of week a mortal would consider was just huge, but Pete Evans is no mere mortal. And he's, he's, what else has he been doing, Joel? The the guys from uh, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here are thinking of putting him on for the next season. Well, we don't know that because they haven't announced their contestants yet, but there is a bit of a geographical similarity in what's going on here. They're moving it from South Africa to Mwilumba in the Northern Rivers. That's close. That's close. Just down the road. That's just around the corner. Yeah. (laughs) That's a a dropkick from there. So basically when he says, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, he's probably going to walk home. Well, there you go. So is it possible that we could have Pete Evans back on our TV screens, not just once every now and then, but Monday to Friday, and you can check out the replays on pay-per-view later on. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, is he coming back? That's That would be wonderful, wouldn't it, Joe? It's going to be a very interesting time. I think there's going to be a lot of people complaining about it, much to the joy of uh, Ten's PR department. There's something you can hang the hats on there. Look, I just hope he is back because uh, I know he's lost a lot of weight and uh, and I worry about him. So I think just pop me in front of a camera again, it just, it just really pick his heart up and I can't wait. Well, it, it puts 10 pounds on, so that's a start. <laughs> Indeed it is. Well, there you go. That's that's uh, the huge, huge week in Pete Evans. And uh, you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your hosts, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter at uh, Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We've set up a Facebook page which you can find if you search for it. And finally, all feedback, tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you want to just front me with a whippersnipper of the face in the street. Excellent. Thanks, listeners. Catch you next week. See you later.